Welcome to our gathering tonight. Here we share stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things. Sit back, relax, and warm yourself by Jim Harold's Campfire. Welcome to the Campfire. I am Jim Harold, and so glad to be with you once again. And I hope that you had a fantastic Christmas. I know that I did, and I'm looking forward to a few days off here and then the new year and new exciting things on board. So looking forward to it. And I hope you enjoy today. You might have some time off, so you get some extra time to listen to the campfire, maybe on a new device. And congratulations on that. And uh, just really excited to share some great campfire stories with you. Now, I do have one favor to ask. I talked a little bit about the new year. One thing I'm really excited about in the new year is our live event in Nashville. It's Campfire Live, and we're going to be doing a live campfire like you hear here, plus some surprises, special guests, and I think we'll have a great time. It's going to be at Zany's Nashville on March 24th. And to get your tickets, go to jimherald.com slash live. It's jimherald.com slash live. And as I'm uh, recording this, we're running a little low on the VIP tickets, so you're going to want to get in if you want to get in on that meet and greet before the show. And I hope that you'll support it if you're in driving distance, because people will say, well, Jim, why don't you come to Chicago? Why don't you come to New York? Why don't you come to Dallas or L.A.? Well, the truth is, is that we can't go to those cities or those places until we find out if this is something that people react to. So we're really trying to push hard to get people to sign up for our Nashville event to, to see if there's a, a market for it. I mean, I know, my goodness, some people go out and they do 20 city tours and 40 city tours and they they sell it out. So I'm like, geez, we got to be able to sell out one. So <laughs> please support us. Go over to jimherald.com slash live and sign up for that Nashville event. And uh, just looking forward to the new year. I'm so excited. A lot of exciting things on the horizon, some that I can't necessarily talk about, but uh, good stuff, good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, we have some great campfire stories. Karen is on the line from Washington State, and her sister told her about it. And Karen, you told me your sister's name, and it totally escaped me. What's her name? That's okay. Thanks, Jim. Uh, her name is Joanna. Joanna, I'm sorry about my bad memory, and thank you so much for telling Karen about the show. We really appreciate it. And Karen has a story that goes back to when she was 17 and she attended a week-long summer camp. And we'll let her take it from there. And Karen, thanks again and tell us your story. Thanks, Jim. So yeah, so this um, was when I was 17. I actually, I'm from a small town in um, central Washington. And um, it was the summer after my junior year in high school. I ended up attending, I thought I wanted to go into teaching eventually. Mm -hmm. And so there was a week-long summer camp at a um, nearby college uh, for people that wanted to go into education. So I attended. And what I recall is, you know, on the first night, there was kind of a mixer and there were students from all over the state. And it was the weirdest feeling. I remember looking across the room and seeing this girl, same age as me, and I felt this I felt like I heard a voice, but kind of internal saying, you know, you need to be friends with her or you're going to be friends with her, something like that. And I just felt extremely drawn to this girl. And so I eventually ended up going over and introducing myself and we became fast friends for that week that we were at camp. Um, we were both, you know, 17. We had both just gone through our first heartbreak, you know, with our boyfriends and right. we bonded over that and we would sneak out at night and run around the town and all this kind of stuff. So we became fast friends. And as a part of that, or during that week, um, we talked about, well, hey, if we both end up attending this college, you know, we'll be roommates and it'll be great. So we had those plans. So the week uh, summer camp ended and um, she went back to her hometown, which was about an hour away. And we, I think there was one time where she came for a weekend and visited me and hung out with my family. And um, probably about a month after that, I remember coming home from work one night and my mom met me at the front door and she was crying and um, she let me know that um, my friend, her name is Natalie, 
Natalie's mom had called and um, let her know that Natalie had been in a car accident and um, was broadsided and was um, killed immediately. Oh my. And yeah, it was horrible. And um, she was actually on her way to register for her senior year of classes um, at her high school. So it was kind of my first experience of losing someone my same age. And um, so that was really tough. And so anyway, fast forward um, a year, and I actually ended up enrolling in that college where we had gone to that camp. And there were just a couple of things along um, the course of me being at college that were just really strange and couldn't explain. And I really kind of think it was her. So the first thing that happened, um, I had another roommate and this was back in the early 2000s. And so we had like one huge computer and we both shared it. Um, to write papers and such. And I remember I came home from work and my roommate kind of, I walked in and she had this really strange look on her face. And she said, you know, I was in your room typing a a paper on the computer and I pressed the space bar and the whole word Natalie came up on the screen. Oh my gosh. And that was my friend. (laughs) And the, the crazy thing is my roommate knew that I had this friend that had passed, but she never knew her name. And so she kind of was just mentioning it to me like as a weird occurrence. But then when I told her, she, oh my gosh, her face just went white. And, you know, it was strange because we, I felt this weird sense of just kind of happiness and calm. Like, oh, she's just kind of making herself known, you know, it wasn't a weird, it wasn't a scary thing at at all. Um, So that was the first thing. And then another random thing, it was back in the day where I thought having a lava lamp was cool and I remember I had this lava lamp and it was the same roommate. We had a different apartment and for whatever reason, the lava lamp stopped working. We tried everything. We tried every outlet. We, I don't even know if we tried replacing the bulb, but we had basically given up on it. And we, so it was just sitting in a corner somewhere unplugged. Well, anyway, we went out to, I'm sure the bars one night. And when we came back home, we walked in, and that, the lava lamp was in a completely different location sitting in the corner of the room, plugged in and was completely working. It was completely lit up, all the lava bubbles going, and we huh. just could not figure out how that happened. So we just kind of laughed again, and in my head I thought, well, maybe Natalie's just, I don't know, randomly fixing stuff for us. I don't know. It was just kind of funny. And um, and then the third and final thing that happened is um, we had moved to a different apartment and two-bedroom uh, the middle of the day, my roommate was at, you know, at class and I decided to take a midday nap. And so I was in my room sleeping, my door completely closed. And I woke up to the sound of a, um, a ball bouncing in the kitchen. And I was just like, what am I hearing? This is so weird. And so I got up, went out to the kitchen and I saw, you know, those balls that elementary school kids play with the, the round red ball. Yeah. Like the playground. One ball, of those, yeah. Exactly. One of those was just bouncing like, you know, waist height on the floor of the kitchen. And I've just kind of stared at it like, what, how could that even happen? Started thinking about where that ball was stored. And it was originally in this hall closet um, on the third shelf, the third, you know, the top shelf basically behind some boxes. And when I looked at that door, it was completely closed. So there is no possible explanation for how that ball <laughs> got off the, the top shelf behind the boxes out of a closed door and then was bouncing on its own in the kitchen. So it was one of, another instance where I just kind of chuckled to myself and I didn't feel scared. It was kind of more like I feel strongly that this is Natalie kind of making herself known and um, was kind of a feel good moment that you know, we had talked about being roommates. We talked about going to college together. And I think she was just one of those fun loving people that unfortunately, and very sadly, her life was cut short, but I think she wanted to make it known that she was there with me. So it it sounds like it, it really doesn't seems like you guys were almost drawn together for uh, a reason, even though your time together was very short, seems like it was meant to be that you guys would be friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was the, the weirdest um, and mo- and coolest feeling of just being drawn to another soul just for the purpose of being friends and 
I, I, I firmly believe that somehow I knew deep down that she, you know, was going to pass and that's why I needed to connect with her and be friends and, wow. and all of that. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it and, and sharing that story. And again, thanks to Joanna for telling you about the show. So glad you found it. And, you know, these stories are tinged with sadness. They're bittersweet, but still, mm-hmm. it's good to know that your friend, well, she's uh, she's still out there. Thank you. I agree. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Colby is on the line from Minnesota. She was on the show a while back. And I have put out the call for paranormal work stories. And I'd love to hear more if you've got them. We're reopening. Uh, depending on when you hear this, in January, the submissions will be open. We're recording this in December. But anyhow, uh, Colby said, I have a paranormal work story. And she called in and she's here now. Colby, welcome back to the show. And tell us what happened. Thank you, Jim. I'm very excited to be here. So, yeah, when I heard your call out for the work stories, I just had to share. I'm the director of a residential kind of transitional living program for teenage girls. And we have a lot of really odd things happening in the house that we have the program in. Um, It used to be a nursing home. Um, Then my company bought it about six years ago and turned it into a girls group home. Um, One situation that pops into my mind when I think about our paranormal experiences is... I was sitting in, I was standing in the staff office with my coworker. We were just chatting, the girls and the staff on site, they had to run an appointment, so they had left. We heard the door shut, we saw them drive off, and all of a sudden we heard the sound that was like a whoosh sound. It was almost like if someone were to, there was a bunch of papers on a desk and someone were to just kind of like run their hand across and kind of throw all the papers on the ground. It was really distinct and really audible. So we look outside the staff office. We look around the living room. There's nothing that fell off the walls. There's no paper on the ground. Nothing was really amiss at all. So we were kind of walking around and my coworker started walking toward the back bedroom. And this is an area where we have a lot of activity. Um, And she quickly turned around and stood there really stiff and said, I'm not going back there. Uh, I don't, it doesn't feel right. I don't think I should be going back there. And I said, okay. Um, So I told her, you know, Hey, let's go look at the camera. Let's go check out the security footage. We will be able to catch whatever that was. So we go back to the staff office and we start rewinding the camera and we rewound it right until the point where the girls had left the house. And it's an internal camera that kind of monitors the inside of the house and what's going on there. So we press play. And we started watching it right up until we would have heard that sound, that whoosh sound. I remember it almost a minute. And suddenly, right at that point, the camera just went black. And we're like, huh, that's, that's really odd. And we just kept watching and watching, fast forwarded a little bit because there was a few minutes in between there. And the next frame that shows on the camera was my coworker standing in the hallway, frozen. Oh, my. And it was really odd. Huh. Yeah. So she was just kind of standing there frozen, and then the camera was just working all of a sudden. And it played like normal, and it showed us going back to the office, doing what we were doing. We rewound it, rewound it several times. Um, tried different ways. Oh, we'll start at this time. We'll start at this time. And still the same exact thing happened. It was just this black hole in the camera footage. Almost like they didn't want us to see or something. Right. Like it had been actively edited out. Sounds like. Yeah. It was like, yeah, some weird handiwork with whatever was going on. So that was only one of several experiences we've had. One, um, I'll just be brief with this one. This coworker of mine had a lot of experiences at that house, and she was, the girls were leaving for another, some kind of appointment or activity they all had to go to, and they had some dishes from lunch or breakfast or whatever, and she said, oh, I'll do the dishes for you, you guys just go, and they left, and she's doing the dishes, kind of just to her, you know, by herself, listening to the radio. Suddenly, she must have sensed something. I wasn't there at the time, but she gave me permission to share that she sensed something, and she turned around. And every single cabinet, drawer in the kitchen, the fridge was open, and our front door was wide open. 
And we have alarms on the doors. So every time you walk into the house, it's like beep, beep, door open. And it tells you what door. She didn't hear a sound at all. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it was really weird. This place used to be an old nursing home. Like I said, um, we, it's not that very old building, but it seems like paranormal things start to happen when there's a lot of stress in the house. We have teen girls and there's, you know, they, a lot of them have gone through various traumas and things like that. And it seems like things happen when they're really stressed out or there's a lot of drama in the house, so to speak. Um, so we always get a little raise of that where, you know, there'll be that feeling of always being watched or unexplained sounds. Um, my husband was working on the, uh, he was doing the painting when we were renovating the house before we opened with a kind of new program and he would just feel really cold in the rooms. And once he saw this dark shadow, um, kind of lingering in this one room that always had felt icky to people since the beginning of time. (laughs) And, um, he was like, Hey, come over here, come over here, come look. And I said, okay. So I followed him back there and he, the room was just ice cold. And as he was trying to explain to me what happened, I saw this dark shadow just kind of dart into the closet. And I never seen anything like that before. And that was just a prelude to many things to come. (laughs) Wow. Now I have heard people speculate. We did a show quite a few years ago with a gentleman by the name of Michael Clarkson. And I believe uh, he was a Canadian journalist or is a Canadian journalist, and he was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. So we're not talking, you know, this guy has his feet on the ground. And he did a lot of crime reporting and different reporting over the years. And he did a book on Poltergeist. And one thing that he speculated was that he felt it was real, and he was one of those people who, you know, is just the facts, ma'am, kind of person. But he believed it was real after his research. He thought maybe it was somehow, and I've heard, I don't think it's just his theory, I've heard other people say it, but related to some type of energy, and particularly adolescents throw off a lot of this energy just because, you know, I mean, I have two teenaged girls. I know that, you know, emotions are high. Um, and it's the same with boys too. So I'm not, uh, I, I want to be equal opportunity here. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that, do you think that that could play a role to it? Uh, and you kind of hinted at that, the, the energy. Absolutely. I, I think that I haven't heard of that theory, but I think that it's very true because the youth we work with are very vulnerable. They've gone through a lot of severe traumas and I've even been told, you know, they have that emotional intensity anyways, because of that age, everything does feel intense, but often I think that some people might be more vulnerable to having spirits attached to them. And when that one, that time when we saw the camera footage and it just kind of got edited out, one youth we had in particular was really, it almost seemed like that, that spirit was like following her out. Like, where are you going? Come back. And after, you know, certain people leave, whether it's staff or girls graduate the program, sometimes we get more activity as well. Um, I also live in an area where there's a lot of Native American people. We have several reservations surrounding our town. And since I moved here, they tend to maybe be more sensitive or in tune to things beyond the veil, so to speak. Um, So I have staff, they've seen different things like that too. And we even had once when things were just getting a little hairy and making us uneasy, we had a medicine man come in and do a whole pipe ceremony because we there was something that just needed to be cleared out. It was a little bit of a different situation there, but it seems like there's a lot that can explain it. And maybe there's not one answer, but there's a lot of factors that seem to really increase the chances that we experience these things at one time or the other. Very interesting indeed. Very interesting indeed. And uh, I, I love hearing the workplace stories because, again, we hear a lot of homes or maybe if somebody's gone on a ghost hunt and those kind of things. Don't hear as much workplace, but we spend at least a third of our lives at work for the most part, most of us. So it's always interesting to hear those. And um, so you're still on the lookout, I'm assuming, for uh, any strange activity. Oh, yeah. We don't have to even look out for it. There's usually, you know, a lot of the time it's smaller scale, like sounds, like, oh, is that the furnace or is that something else? Um, Yeah, I have so many other stories I can call and tell another time. But, yeah, I don't know if I'm on the lookout for it. I'd never experienced something like this in the past. Um, 
so now I don't have to look too far. <laughs> I don't always, it's not always super welcome, but it's kind of just is. It doesn't honestly scare me as much anymore. It's just kind of, it happens and they're there and we're lucky enough to not usually have any kind of harmful feeling entities. That's good. But that's it keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. <laughs> that's the, I'm glad that you don't have any of the, the bad spookies there. <laughs> just things that kind of make it go, hmm. And thank you for being on the show again and telling your story. Thank you so much, Colby. Have a great evening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Shudder. What is Shudder? Well, Shudder is a premium streaming video service that super serves fans of all degrees with the best selection of horrors and thrillers. It is a fantastic service. I love it. You know, I grew up going to the drive-in and watching horror movies or the horror hosts with the, the, the different classic movies. And whether you're talking about the older movies or newer movies, they have it all. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. I love it. I love Joe Bob Briggs. <laughs> I, I love watching his show and the movies. And a very insightful guy, also a very funny guy. So uh, that's that's probably my favorite. But Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. They call it the Netflix for horror. And it, it's not just the expected, it's the unexpected. There are new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense added weekly. And it's easy to navigate. The interface is very simple, and you'll have unlimited, uncluttered access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices. Now, on the topic of devices, we are airing this the day after Christmas, and perhaps Santa Claus put uh, a new device in your stocking. Well, almost whatever it is, you can watch Shutter on it. iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, your Google Chromecast, your Roku, your Android devices. I'll be in the main living area here. I'll be watching a movie. I was watching Joe Bob Briggs' Christmas special the other day. I was watching on the TV here, and then I basically stopped it and then went upstairs and watched the rest of it on my iPad while I was uh, going to bed. Fantastic. I'm going to tell you that you will absolutely love it. Get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cut of the Dead, Revenge, and the new creep show TV series produced by Greg Nicotero and based on the famous films by the great George Romero. So, to try Shudder for free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use the promo code CAMPFIRE. Again, to try Shudder free for 30 days, go to S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use that promo code CAMPFIRE. I'm loving it. You're going to love it. Try Shudder. Thanks, Shudder. You're listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Mason is on the line. He's been listening since 2004. He's calling in tonight from Illinois, and he's going to take us back to 2004. And uh, he was doing a little exploring with a friend and uh, maybe got more than he bargained for. Uh, Mason, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened. Thanks, Jim. Uh, well, this was, um, like you said, 2004, I was a senior in high school, and uh, I had a band at the time that was working on uh, recording an album at a studio downtown where I live, and uh, a good friend of ours who did a lot of work for the band, you know, did all our pictures and did a lot of the managing, he worked at a, a, a place called Laser Strike. It was a, a laser tag place yeah. um, where you could go, and he, uh, he needed a ride. Um, to the studio from from work after he got off so i i took a break and i went and picked him up and i was in the building waiting for him to to you know finish up close out all the money and get done with his shift um i was just kind of walking around the building checking it out because it was still still kind of a new uh company um i was just you know being nosy opening doors it was an old building all right, so the building, you know, big on front in the building, it says erected, I think it was 1902. Um, and I noticed that inside there was a, a stairwell that went upstairs. And so I asked my buddy, his name was Dave. I asked him, you know, what's, what's up here? 
can we go up there? And he said, of course, sure. You know, we can take the freight elevator, which I thought was really cool. You know, an old elevator, you got to pull yourself up. So there's three stories and we went up to the third story. Um, it was just a big open warehouse or, you know, kind of warehouse looking. It was, there was a few old boxes, nothing major. Um, it was, you know, it was a Sunday. It was a bright Sunday, sunny afternoon. Um, so we're just walking around, looking out the windows. And as we're looking out the windows, uh, we start to hear what I imagine about 15 to 20 um, kids or, or young people running. Um, it just sounded like a, a group of people just running towards us. And while this was happening, everything began to shake. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but it almost felt like we were in an earthquake, wow. which um, is not something you experience in Illinois. Um, and uh, so that happened. It probably lasted four or five seconds. And uh, we looked at each other and we both just kind of knew we just had that look like, let's go um, run. So we took off running and, you know, we took the freight elevator down. We're all shook up. Uh, get to the bottom and we run outside and, you know, we just kind of brush it off like, well, that was weird. I don't really know what that was. Um, so we, we went about our day, uh, just thought it was a weird experience. Um, a week goes by, Dave lets me know that he had talked to a couple other people that he works with. And um, apparently the story is this building is an old, uh, a family used to live there. It was like a grocer. Um, back right. in the early 1900s and his family lived there. And um, the story is that they had a, a little daughter that had died. Um, she'd somehow drowned in the building, um, assuming probably, you know, taking a bath or something. She had passed away in the building. Um, another story that Dave told me was that one of the coworkers he works with, um, they were having a birthday party and one of the little, uh, get one of the little girls, one of the guests of the party comes out crying and tells her mom that she had seen a little girl at the party walk through one of the walls of the building. Huh. Um, so that kind of, you know, goes along with the story kind of gives a little more credit to if a little girl actually had passed away in the building. Um, so we, th we thought that was pretty unique. So we, we got a couple of other people together and we decided, Hey, we're going to go back, kind of see what this is about. You know, just some teenagers trying to have some fun. We can't get in a whole lot of trouble with. So we decided to go back and explore and we were going to go on the second story this time where they were building apartments, um, in this, in this warehouse, they had, they had constructed apartments. Um, a couple of the coworkers show up and, they begin telling stories that, you know, there's the little girl still there and there's a doll. Apparently if you touch the doll that, um, things will happen to you. You know, you feel like you're getting touched or, you know, your shirt pulled on. Um, so we go upstairs and of course there's a little old doll sitting there, which, you know, I like to believe, but I also kind of, if there's a bunch of teenagers around telling stories and then there's a little doll, I kind of found it a little, hoaxy i was like okay yeah. somebody probably somebody probably set this up here i'm not going to put any stock into it huh. um, so we're walking around and one of the guys is like hey we're not trying to make anybody mad here we're just hanging out if you're here let us know and then he knocks three times on the wall and we're like okay nothing happens about three minutes go by and then and we hear two knocks coming from the corner of the building um up on the, on the ceiling of it. It sounded like somebody had kind of stomped twice from the, from the, the next story up. And we had forgotten that he had knocked and then we hear doom, doom. So we're like, okay, that's creepy. And we're, you know, this whole time we're continuing, we're walking around the building. And like I said, they were building apartments. So they had like the, the framework up in a couple rooms rooms had the drywall up um it's just plain walls and studs and my buddy dave's going around he's taking pictures the whole time well he snaps a couple pictures and then we go of the big area and then we go back to where they're building rooms and he just 
you know, they're dark. You can't see, there's no light. So he just snaps some pictures and we keep walking. Um, and later that night after, you know, nothing else had happened while we were there other than that banging. Um, later that night we're hanging out and he puts those pictures on his computer and we're looking through them. And we see that in one of the pictures that he just snapped inside one of the rooms they were building, there is a clear shadow of a bed with what looks like a little girl sitting up. Oh man. Back of the bed. And it looks like another little body. Like she's almost holding onto it, which looks just like it would be a doll. Um, but it was the, the pick, the, a clear picture of the shadow. Um, and obviously there was nothing in the room and in the picture, you can see that there is nothing there. You can see through it. It just looks like a, a shadow, um, of a little girl sitting on a bed, holding a doll. Wow. Wow. What a story. Yeah. What a story. It's quite a unique experience. Yeah, I guess it would be. Uh, and, uh, did, after these things happened, did you keep exploring or did you say enough was enough? Um, with there, I said, uh, enough was enough there. Um, just, you know, it was the, it was a place of business. So the availability wasn't always really there and, you know, it didn't stay open very long anyways. Um, since then I've continued to do a lot of exploring elsewhere and, uh, you know, continue my paranormal um i don't want to call research but you know just seeing if i can see anything (laughs) out there for myself which you know it seems like the more i try the less i get so i guess i'm just not meant to it's interesting sometimes you find things when you aren't necessarily looking for them but mason thank you so much for joining us on the campfire and telling your story tonight thank you Next up is Jeremy from Mississippi, and he has three stories. He says he has two hauntings and a head-scratcher. I heard of two weddings and a funeral, but two hauntings and a head-scratcher. That's even better for the campfire. Jeremy, thanks for joining us, and tell us your stories. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, Jim. I guess the uh, kind of the best of the three, I think, um, didn't actually happen to me, but happened to my parents before I was born. Um, There's a... There are four of us kids all together uh, with about uh, 15 years between uh, each uh, each set. Um, so when my older two siblings were younger, my dad was puttering around down in the garage. And uh, my mom was getting ready to go somewhere, run some errands. And uh, he asked if she would take the kids with her who were uh, pretty young at the time. Um, I, I think both under 10 at, at the time this happened. Um, and so a few minutes later, he, uh, hears her get in the car and drive off. And so my dad, uh, was continuing doing what he was doing in the garage and he heard footsteps, uh, in the house, uh, on the upper level above him. And it sounded like my big brother, uh, at that, at that age, he was wearing orthotic shoes to correct something. So his footsteps were pretty distinctive. Uh, so he's he's really frustrated. He's, he's thinking to himself, you know, I, I asked her to take the kids with her. What, what are they still doing here? Sure. Um, so he, you know, goes into the house and, uh, and walks upstairs. And when you, uh, walk upstairs to the, uh, upper level, there's the living room to the right, the kitchen in front of you. And then the hallway down to the, uh, bedrooms and bathrooms down to your left. Um, and it was all uh, hardwood floors at the time, so everything was, you know, all the sounds were pretty pronounced. Um, but he gets upstairs, and he hears footsteps in the hall, and he looks, uh, looking for my, uh, for my brother, and there's nothing there. But he still hears the footsteps, and they continue to approach him and run right by him. And then he says, it sounds like they kind of, now, ran a little past him and then turned around, and then there was just this giggle, and then nothing. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like, it's like this was not a previously owned house. Um, like, they had built it after they got married. Um, to the best of their knowledge, uh, the property hadn't previously been um, 
know, anything else like a burial ground or whatever. So they, they really didn't have any ideas to what or why. Um, but I think that's about the only, um, haunting that I'm aware of that happened at that house. That's a strange one. That's a strange one indeed. You know, the, and that's always something is very interesting to me are these stories where somebody thinks someone's home, but they're not, and it's mm-hmm. something else. <laughs> and I know you also had a couple of other stories. Tell us those. Well, these, these last two happened to me. Um, and uh, they're, you know, they're maybe not as big on the wild factor, but they've, they've always certainly um, kind of puzzled and intrigued me. Um, one of them happened, uh, some years ago when I was at a, a Bible school and this is, uh, in upstate New York. Uh, I guess this place used to be a, um, a retreat for tuberculosis patients, uh, uh, some time ago. Um, so it was very, uh, rustic, used radiators for heating and, and what have you. But, um, but I was working in the kitchen while I was there, I remember going down one morning and, uh, everything was nice and quiet and, uh, I'm just kind of getting things set up. I go ahead and put on some music to listen to while I'm getting stuff, uh, taken care of and getting breakfast on for everybody. So I put the music on and I went down to the, uh, walk-in cooler, which was, uh, in another room, uh, down on kind of a, a lower level and like a cement, um, room. I go down and I grab eggs and whatever else I needed for what I was making that morning. And I came back up and I set things down on the, uh, the island, the prep island that we had there. And through the music, I heard this, this sound, just this kind of steady sort of thing. And so I look around and clear on the other side of the kitchen, um, now, water's running in one of the uh, the basins over there. Now, I had been just within about 10 feet or so of that basin in a quiet environment as I was putting my music on, um, and there was there was nothing amiss at the time. And then, uh, yeah, just to kind of come back up and hear that sound through the music um, and see that that had been turned on, it was kind of kind of eerie at the time and I, I kind of wonder in retrospect if it might have been a uh, you know previous uh, tuberculosis patient just kind of having a little fun with me that is interesting now that is an interesting one and yeah, uh, for, go ahead I'm sorry go ahead no go ahead uh, I was just gonna say I mean like for me that's kind of the the head scratcher because I didn't really have any better explain, explanation for it at the time um but, uh, yeah, as, as I've been thinking about it since I uh, you know, signed up to tell my story, I'm just like, you know, I wonder if. It could be. And it's always interesting to try to trace those things back and think, well, what could this be and how to explain it? And a few times on the show, I've even put something out there and somebody said, well, I never thought about it that way. So it's always interesting to talk about. It. And I know you also had a third story. So tell us that one. Right. Yes. The last one is uh, certainly a little more recent within the last couple of months or so. Um, over the last, um, over the last couple years, I've had to put down uh, a couple of cats, um, that I've had for a long time. Uh, one of them, uh, just developed diabetes and finally took a, you know, a downhill turn on that. And, uh, the other one uh, was cancer. Um, and this happened probably a couple weeks after I uh, adopted a new cat. Um, and so I was, I was just kind of hanging out on the couch, um, you know, watching TV with my, uh, you know, my dog, uh, my dachshund Penny and, uh, the new cat Baxter just kind of curled up with me and out of nowhere, I just kind of hear like this muffled, like this rapid muffled thumping, uh, on the, um, carpeted area of the, uh, the living room here. And I would have kind of put it off to my imagination if it hadn't attracted their attention as well and got their curiosity. Um, but it sounded for all the world to me um, like those two cats that I had to put down, um, you know, just kind of having their, their midnight freak out and playing together. Um, that, that used to be like a nightly thing with them. And then, uh, yeah, just to kind of, just kind of like very distinctly hear that 
um, so soon after having had to put the last one down. Um, now it's kind of, kind of made me think while well, maybe they, they found each other on the other side Aww. and they're, they're enjoying each other's company again. You know, we've had some great stories over the years about pets who come to visit one person had a situation where, you know, their, their dog passed and she had put the, uh, dog tags in a garage in her garage and you know if you've had a dog you know that sound when their tags jingle and jangle Uh and they and each dog almost depending on the tags and the collar has a different sound so you're like so-and-so dog is coming so uh her dog had passed and she put these you know the as a keepsake put the collar with the tags in her garage and she was in her home and reading or watching TV or whatever, and all of a sudden she hears hears those tags coming down the hall. And well, to her, that was a sign, you know? I'm still here. I'm still here. And and I do believe our pets uh, do carry on. Yeah, it'll certainly be nice to find them waiting for us when we make it over to the other side. I agree. Jeremy, thank you so much for three great stories and being a part of the campfire. Thank you so much, Jim. You have a great day. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Wondery and their new podcast, Blood Ties. And I'll tell you, Wondery has been putting out some of the best podcasts out there, and Blood Ties is certainly no exception. And they ask some compelling questions in it. What would you do if you discovered your father had done the unspeakable? Would you hurt the ones you love to tell the world the truth? Or would you bury it and live with the guilt? Blood Ties is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery, starring Josh Gad and Jillian Jacobs as Michael and Eleanor Richland. After the sudden death of their billionaire father, disturbing allegations emerge about his dark past. These revelations thrust Eleanor and Michael into a fight they're completely unprepared for. And as the stakes of telling the truth continue to rise... They grapple with their father's legacy and what to do with it. Now, you're about to hear a preview of Blood Ties at the end of this episode of Campfire. So while you're listening, make sure to subscribe to Blood Ties on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And you can also find the link in the episode notes. And please do give it a try. It is excellent content. Wondery is doing such great work, and they've been so kind to us in 2019 as a sponsor of our episodes. So please support them, and I know you'll love Blood Ties. Thanks, Wondery. Follow Jim on Twitter and Instagram at Herald, and join our Virtual Campfire Facebook group at virtualcampfiregroup.com. Now, back to the campfire. Oh, we have a return caller on the line. I'm talking about Robin, and she is calling in from North Florida. She had called us uh, a while back talking about the home that she grew up in and how it was uh, very spooky and uh, and so forth. It was near a cemetery. And it seems like Robin attracts these sorts of things. She seems to be a sensitive person, and she's had some experiences in another home that she lived in with her family uh, and uh, can't wait to hear that story. Robin, welcome back to the program. Thank you for all your support. I know you're also a Plus Club member. And uh, tell us about this this particular home and the strangeness that ensued. Well, thank you for having me, Jim. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it seems um, that I've kind of, uh, I, I hate, it, as much as I tried to deny it for so long, I, I do feel like I'm sort of sensitive to these things. My husband will tell you I definitely am. Um, I think he is too, but he just completely won't even talk about these things <laughs> unless they're obvious. They, you know, freak him out more than they um, intrigue him. And I'm completely intrigued, um, I guess, because once you have these experiences, um, for me, all I want to do is learn more about it. So um, I'm going to tell you about a house that... Um, we just recently moved out of, um, we lived there for 12 years and, um, we moved in there when my son, I have a son and a daughter. We moved in there when my son was only like two years old. He's 15 now. So, um, we had so many, there are so many things, strange things that happened in this house that I I couldn't, it would take forever to 
to cover them all. Um, just from, you know, little things out of the corner of your eye. Um, and it wasn't just me seeing things. It was me and my kids and uh, my husband too, but he won't, again, won't talk about it (laughs) Um, (laughs) as much, you know? Um, but what I, what I wanted to talk to you about and tell you about was kind of, um, the, the electrical stuff that happened because that was the spookiest and the creepiest of all and the stuff that made me really realize it was probably um, something else going on besides some, you know, crazy appliances or something. Um, so, uh, again, we were there 12 years, moved in when my, my son was two. And right after we moved in, we were setting up shop, you know, and uh, my son's bedroom uh, was right next to his little playroom and they kind of shook it. They, Two rooms shared a Jack and Jill bath. And um, probably two weeks after we got there, I was setting up his playroom. And on the wall, I had mounted, um, it was pretty big. It was probably a two foot by four foot. Um, it's like a bulletin board. but And I don't know if you, you're familiar with them, but it's kind of an upholstered Oh yeah, yeah. Um, bulletin board, and it's got the crisscrosses of the ribbons, and you can just tuck things behind them, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I had mounted one of those, and I was basically going back and forth from our office, printing out pictures of things that he liked and of the family, and you know, things that I could tuck in there um, just for him to see in his playroom. So, um, my husband was out of town. Which I does not surprise me that this happened then. But uh, my husband was out of town, so I'm going back and forth. I had set him up with a little snack, so he was busy. And I had printed out probably seven or eight pictures and already had them tucked in this board. Now, it was mounted regular picture height, which is probably, you know, four or five feet off the ground, um, four feet probably at its lowest point. And um, at one pass, I came back in the room and all of the pictures that I had already tucked in behind the ribbons were in a pile on the ground. And I thought, oh, okay, that's strange and impossible. And I, there was no fan on. My son certainly couldn't have reached them. So I bent down to pick them up. And when I bent down, my head was at the same height as his little TV. And the yeah. TV turned off. Oh my. And then turned right back on. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's when it began. So two weeks into the new house, or that was the new house. Um, the next thing that happened um, was, and this was probably a year later, I came home and uh, put my key in the front door and slightly opened the front door. And just as I stepped both feet in, um, we had kind of a loft over our living room. Um, and in the loft was kind of my son, um, not my son, but my husband's like sports area where he'd go watch his football games and stuff like that. All of a sudden the Bose system turned on and turned on as loud as it possibly could. Oh boy. As as I walked in the door. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And so that was just, that just blew me away. It was another strange electrical thing. And, and when these things happen, you know, you can blow them off one at a time, but is they keep happening. They, you know, it's hard to forget the previous and so on and so forth. But what was really, really crazy was my kitchen. And, um, in the kitchen, we had some popular brand appliances all the way around. Um, and the, the three main ones are the ones that I had the problems with. Um, the first one was our cooktop. We had a gas cooktop and, the gas cooktop would, we had five burners on it and intermittently three burners would go out at a time and I would try to get them working. They'd be out for however long it took the, the guy to come and check them out and, and it never failed. Every time he would show up, they would all work. As soon as he would leave, they wouldn't work. Well, normally you can blow that off. That's not a big deal. But it, I was so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed as how many times I had this repairman out. Um, it actually ended up being a couple repair guys through the whole thing. But I'm so embarrassed <laughs> about how, how many times I had to have these people out. So ultimately, because we kept having the problem, we ended up replacing the whole cooktop ourselves because we just 
it just didn't want to cooperate with us. So that wasn't, you know, we could blow that off. That wasn't that big of a deal. And then we started having problems with our oven as soon as we, it's like it, it migrated. Um, our oven, um, uh, and this was probably at this point, we were probably living in the house about seven years at this point. Um, and our oven would start in the middle of the night when no one's around it would start beeping extremely loud. And on the little screen that it has, it would have an F9 warning, which for that type of appliance means that there's something wrong with the door lock on that appliance when it's in the cleaning mode. But there would be no one around and there would certainly went not cleaning my oven. So it would start to go off and just in the dead middle of the night, wake up the whole family. Then it started going off when people would walk into the kitchen. Oh man. <laughs> and it just got to be really, really freaky to the point to where when we weren't using the oven, we would go and flip the breaker because we didn't want to be freaked out by that. Um, and again, it could be weird. You know, I, of course I had the, the repairman out. Um, they took a look at it actually a couple times and now they have this digital equipment they can hook up to your appliance to see if there's, it's malfunctioning. It's getting a read one way or another. And it never did. It always said, you know, that there's nothing wrong with my appliance. And they would say, miss, um, you know, I'm sorry. But there's nothing wrong here. You know, if you have any more problems, call me back. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. But the, wor the, the worst, the creepiest thing that we had happen was with our refrigerator. And there's absolutely no explaining this um, that I can find. If you can or if anybody else can, please um, um, call in and post or share a similar story. So... With our refrigerator, um, and I will say that, and I believe that it's like the energy in the house when the refrigerator started to go bad was, was crazy because we had started to build a new house and we were having problems with a contractor and it just was a really tense time. So my refrigerator started to act up and by that, I mean, it would just stop cooling for several hours and it would get down to where you're like, Oh no, I'm going to have to put everything, you know, in a cooler and get a new refrigerator, you know, that close to the panicky mode. And then it would start working again. Of course I had somebody come check that out and they said it was absolutely fine. Then six months after that, we started having problems with the ice maker. And this is the, the really, really weird part. Um, one day I went out to pick up my son from school and when I came home, there was ice all over my kitchen floor and we had wood floors in the kitchen. There was ice everywhere. It just, it's, it was, it was horrible. I'm glad I got there when I did so that it wasn't melted. Um, and so I cleaned it all up and I thought, no way. I mean, it, you know, maybe a, it, there was a clog and it had melted and everything went everywhere. And it was just so... I was hoping that it was a one-time go-round. Right. Uh, and I think it was a couple months after that. Um, we had gone to a neighborhood cookout, the whole family. And we came home at about 9, 10 p.m. And we walked into the kitchen and there was a pile of ice in the middle of the wood floor, um, which was this, it was crushed ice this time. Um, it was a pile probably about a foot wide and two feet long, and it was literally piled into a pile. And we were freaked out because we knew that if the ice maker had unloaded, like it had done that one time, that when the ice hits the ground, it's going to scatter, especially if it's a hard surface. So we were really creeped out. Um, by that. That was just so strange. And then it really took a turn for the creepy. Um, when I was home alone and I'm a stay at home mom, when I would be at home alone, I would start to hear the ice maker turn on, but sometimes ice would not come out of the door huh. and I would turn to look at it and the light would be on as if someone, you know, cause the light comes on when somebody 
is there to um, in front of the door to get ice. Light would be on and I could hear the ice maker running, but no ice would come out until one day we, um, I was sitting in the living room talking to my husband and the way that we were sitting, I was facing him and I could see um, right over his shoulder, the refrigerator. And all of a sudden I saw the, the little lever depress in, I saw it depress in and the light came on and I started flying out of my refrigerator and, <laughs> and my husband who, like I'd said before, is in complete denial, <laughs> uh, you know, jumps up, turns around and I'm glad I wasn't the only one to see it. So I didn't have to feel like I was completely crazy, but it was, it, it would not stop. There was nothing we could do short of flipping the breaker. To wow, get the ice wow, to stop shooting wow. out of refrigerators, uh, uh, refrigerator at us. And I have Googled if anybody else has <laughs> had this experience with that type of refrigerator. Anyway, so um, ultimately what happened after that time is we called the guy again, poor repair guy, comes out. And he's like, he finally said it. He said, ma'am. I think you're calling the wrong kind of person. You need, a, you need a ghostbuster. Yeah, that's true. Well, Robin, thank you so much for telling that story. I really appreciate it. And we've never had a story about a haunted refrigerator. Thanks again for being on the show today. <laughs> Absolutely, Jim. Thanks for listening. Well, Stara is on the line from New York, and she has a, a campfire story that has an interesting ending. Stara, welcome to the program, and, and tell us what happened. Oh, hi. Thank you, Jim. Yes, I, uh, I live in Beacon, New York, which is 60 miles north of New York City on the Hudson River, adorable little uh, upstate New York uh, town. And I moved here from California the summer of 2017. So I was still in an Airbnb um, you know, bedroom in someone's house uh, the late September of 2017 before I moved into my apartment. And this house was like... Uh, far out from the train station. I didn't, I don't have a car. So I would walk two miles each morning down to the train station. But since I have to be, you know, in New York by 8.30 a.m., I would have to leave super early. It's a 90-minute train ride. So like at, uh, you know, 5.30 a.m., I would be up walking through the residential streets. Now, it's a very safe town, of course. And there wasn't, you know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of worry in that respect. But uh, at that time of the year, uh, it was pitch black. I mean, it's just pitch black, you know. And they don't have a lot of streetlights there. So it was very dark. And um, I would like to listen to, I just discovered your podcast, a paranormal podcast. And I became a VIP member right away. And I was listening to the campfire stories, uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> when I was walking. And I, you know, fill up my time going to the train and there had been a few stories about people battling demons and I just felt so frustrated for these people because they would be afraid of the ones that I heard that they were afraid and everything which is totally understandable but I kept thinking gosh have they just prayed or prayed to Archangel Michael to help them and and you know when they're afraid they just feed into the demon and it just makes them more powerful and it's like oh you know I wish they could have done that and I was just really mad and I'm like oh I would have told that demon to take a hike and I was kind of mad right so I'm walking down this uh residential street again pitch black 5 30 in the morning and I have the earbuds in my ear listening to campfire stories but it's not that loud I can still hear other things so across the street in front of a residential uh, in front of another house I hear a rustling of leaves because all, all the leaves have fallen it's late September in New York and I thought it was my imagination, so I keep walking, and then I hear rustling of leaves again. And so I look across the street, and no one's there. It's just me on the street, again, pitch black, and I'm a little nervous. And then all of a sudden, I see the figure, a dark figure of a man, just rise up from the leaves underneath this tree. The leaves are flying everywhere, and he's kind of making a noise like, ah, you know. And I just thought, oh, my God. No, I was already kind of scared so I thought oh my god the demon's coming to get me and I started I didn't run because I was afraid the demon would chase me if I ran Ooh. down the street so so I trotted down the street and I, I, I this is what I always do if there's a situation like that I said Archangel Michael thank you for your love and protection Archangel Michael thank you for your love and protection and so I'm saying this and I get you know I get away and everything 
I only looked back once and I, I could still see the guy kind of waving his arms. So um, I seriously thought that it could have been an entity, seriously, because I was thinking about it. And I know a lot of times you and other people say when you look, when you look into the tunnel of darkness or whatever, when you look somewhere, it looks back at you. Right. And I thought, oh, no, they picked up on my, my vibrations or something. And um, months later, I talked to a friend of mine in New York who is a, uh, a psychic who makes his living at psychic readings. He's, he's excellent. He's really, really good. And I described the, the situation. He tuned in and he said, oh, no, Star, that was just a guy down on his luck. He passed out like under this tree in front of someone's house. And he just got up as you happened to be walking by. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so it was just some <laughs> drunk guy. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, I guess. I, <laughs> it's just, right. uh, you know, it, it's just what it, uh, what it seems to be, but it's always yeah. interesting. It's always interesting to determine, was that something supernatural or was it just a guy in a pile of leaves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, exactly. what I was going to say was, is, uh, you have a new book out, and we were talking earlier about that, and you uh, related this story, and I said we should make this a separate part for the campfire. So briefly, tell our audience about your book and where they can find it. Yes, it's called Bay of Darkness, and my writing name is S.K. Andrews, and uh the uh, elevator pitch, I'll give that. It's Ghostbusters meets Braveheart. So uh, this psychic woman is going to save the world from darkness and a Celtic demon that has arisen uh, and has released Celtic mythological creatures to help him take over the, the earth. But she's going to stop that. She and her uh, paranormal cleansing team, the Kelly Society, uh, with a lot more help that comes up later, uh, a lot more metaphysical help. And it's the first of a trilogy, and there's romance as well. So it's kind of like a, a, it's the Celtic love story born from past lives as well, uh, all wrapped up in a paranormal adventure. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Check it out. Bay of Darkness. Where can people find it? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. On Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at my publishers, which is the Wild Rose Press. Excellent. And it's under S.K. Andrews, Bay of Darkness. Do check it out. Stara, thank you so much for joining us again on the campfire. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today on the campfire. Boy, that was a lot of fun. A great show to wrap up 2019, which is a great year. And next week, what we're going to be doing on the campfire is we are going to be Go looking back at the best of 2019, it's going to be a supersized show. I figure we'll clock in at about 90 minutes, and we are going to revisit some of our favorite stories from the past year. So look forward to that. Also, I know that a lot of people got new devices this year. Please tell them about the campfire. Share it with your friends and family as you're celebrating these great holiday times. And I guess I won't talk to you again until 2020. So have a great new year. Uh, celebrate, have a good time with family and friends. Be careful because we need you back around the campfire in 2020. Also, a quick note, we will be reopening submissions for new campfire stories shortly after the new year. So certainly keep a, a look on that. I mean, we've gotten such an influx of stories. We're always running ahead. I love it. It's great. But sometimes we have to shut down the submissions because we have too many stories and I have to catch up. <laughs> and I know there's pent up demand. People want to be on the show and I love it. And thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to hearing all of your stories in 2012. 2012? Where did that come from? <laughs> 2020. <laughs> okay. I guess it is time for a holiday break. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Happy New Year, everybody. And of course, as always, stay spooky. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Tune in again next time for more stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things. If they have
haven't landed yet. If they haven't landed yet, then we're going to have to spend the holidays listening to our father go on about landing the Cessna in a storm. Except he's going to call it a hurricane. I talked to mom when they were in the air. They were 20 minutes out, and that was three hours ago. Wait. Yeah, they're coming in on my phone, too. Kids, something's happening. She says something's happening. I love you both. Your dad is... The last thing my mom ever sent me was a text message. It said, something's wrong. Your dad is... My dad is... What exactly, Mom? What is he? Tragic news out of the Caribbean this evening where Dr. Peter Richland is feared dead. Richland... From Wondering, the makers of Dirty John and Dr. Death, comes Blood Ties, a new scripted audio drama starring Gillian Jacobs, Josh Gad, and Amy Landecker. My name is Gillian Jacobs, and I play Eleanor Richland. I'm Josh Gad, and I'm playing Michael in Blood Ties. Michael. Michael. Richland. Richland like the company you work for. Blood Ties is mystery, intrigue, revenge. You really don't know what exactly is going on. You don't know what anyone's agenda really is. Your father did many great things in his life, but I've been looking at some other things, and I'm offering you the chance to help me tell the truth about him. Don't call me again. Look, it's the same chance I offered your mother. But did you really never hear any of these rumors before? Well, I'm his daughter, Connie, so no one's really telling me rumors like this. It's really the story about this brother and sister trying to put these pieces together after a tragic accident involving their parents in a plane crash. Richland Health Services assured me they'll take care of everything. What do you mean by everything? I'm not leaving till we find my dad. Elle, we are getting on that plane. And also learning and uncovering the truth, not only as it relates to their parents, but uh, certain truths inconvenient truths, I might add, about themselves. I know you met with Connie from the Times, and I know your mother met with her, too. Let's just assume we know everything about everything, okay? They're really pushing back now. They're really pushing back hard. They're using his death as a reason to kill the story once and for all. We need to find out what the hell is happening. Blood Ties premieres this holiday season on December 17th. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Or get all of Season 1 ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus. Snow is glistening, a beautiful sight. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. That's modern medicine for you. Nothing it can't cover up.